and we're back for another Investigate podcast session. And once in a while, I tend to bring on a good friend, client of ours, who's been through the journey working at Investigate or with Investigate, should I say, as their buyer's agency. And today's story is very, very special because today's not just about the first purchase, the second, the third, and uh, someone kind of getting that one step after each time. This is about building a truly prolific property portfolio. So in this particular episode, we're talking to Amon, who's a really, really valued client of ours, and he's actually built a $10 million portfolio working closely with our team. So the journey started back in 2019, and uh, from that time, we had tailored a really specific plan that was unique to Amon's preferences and his goals and what made you know, sense for his portfolio, found certain properties with some unique factors to it. So please do tune in to find these key things out. But secondly, also Amon goes into the journey that most people want to really like avoid the conversation on, which is, you know, how do you look at the serviceability aspect? And how do you also look at the actual scaling of it during times where lending's not easy? And the truth is, um, it's not easy. And there are decisions personally, and from a business perspective that people need to make, as they really start to aim for some huge goals in property portfolio building. And this is what Amin's done, and he shares more about it. And you'll learn more about some of the things that maybe people are also wondering, like, hey, with regards to this, how quick was this journey? I said 2019, so you can kind of uh, see where he started in 2019 and how much he had at that time versus where we're at today, which is a $10 million portfolio. So there's lots to unpack here, going through the story and the journey of one of our value clients and showing you how we can put together with the right strategy, the right research and scale a property portfolio. Now, Amin is a founder of a business and that is uh, Jix, J-I-C-S. And uh, he runs a migration agency and also a career uh, growth agency as well when it comes to migrants and so forth looking to start or grow their careers here in Australia. So uh, he does some inspirational things in terms of setting the path for them, showing his own success and what's possible when you come to Australia, you know, grow here, grow a career, grow a business, uh, start investing in yourself, investing in your family. This is truly the land of opportunity. And so Amin's proven that himself. And no doubt he's setting up many others for success through his migration agency and also his uh, employment and career agency. So, hey, follow Amin Sethi, A-M-A-N-S-E-T-H-I on LinkedIn, an absolute gentleman. And uh, if you're in that pathway of learning more about the migration and even just the career and employment growth, there's no one better to speak to. But let's tune into this episode and hear from Amin on the scaling of his $10 million portfolio, working closely with Investigate now for the last four years. Let's see how we went. Hey, Amin, it's great to have you on the Investigate podcast, mate. And uh, thank you so much, firstly, for putting uh, time aside to hang out with me and and get into interrogation and chat up mode and everything about the portfolio you built, which is awesome. Uh, so, mate, just wanted to say thank you first for joining us. Always a pleasure, Arjun. Always happy to chat, as you know. And uh, yeah, glad to be here. Well, mate, uh, I guess I when I break down the portfolio that we've done uh, in terms of building it out together, it's always good for the listeners to go back to the journey of where it all started. And I guess, you know, I've got my version of that, which I shared in the intro, but I think when it comes to going back to 2018, 2019, we first started to connect around that time. I guess, firstly, what's going through your mind on 
this journey of what a portfolio looks like to you? Because it clearly wasn't one when you first started. And then from that, what was it that inspired you to go, I want to I want to do this and I want to start this journey of building out an investment property portfolio? Yeah, look, initially when we started, we always had a plan to build a property portfolio. Um, what that looked like specifically, we didn't have, you know, very tangible numbers or uh, goals at that point in time. Um, we were just on... I've always seen property as a vehicle to, you know, building long-term stability and, and growth. Um, and and so I knew that, you know, when I was ready and we were in a position that we were settled and, and you know, had the, uh, the means and the capability to start building a portfolio that I wanted to take that step. And uh, that's when, you know, we reached out to you. Um, and initially, obviously, we didn't have a, a clear plan, but, you know, talking to you, um, you know, going through the different options, we, we obviously, over that period of time, over the, you know, the one to two to three years, we were able to then, um, you know, get clearer and more specific on our plans as time went on. And uh, also having that initial chat with you gave us an, you know, overall direction as to, you know, where we want to go and where we want to take it as well, which was really fantastic. Yeah, I think what you've elaborated on there is that people don't have to come into the journey of trying to build a portfolio, having figured everything out. I think the main thing is you figured out that property investing will play a core part in the wealth building getting started versus not getting started is clear benefits to that. And then the third thing was equipping yourself with professionals on that professional journey. Obviously this wasn't your first property when you'd purchased or joined the journey with us, you'd had a couple of properties or a property before, before starting the journey. What was it that made you realize, you know what? I could go at this alone. I have the financial resources to do so, but I want to get someone involved. I want to build a team around me. What was the first thing that made that thought come to mind? My personal belief is that it's always good to let the professionals do what they do best. And uh, so from that perspective, and also I always had a view that buying in uh, New South Wales, where we live in Sydney, was not really something that was going to allow me to build a large larger sustainable portfolio and uh, as a result i knew that you know i would have to go into state uh whether that's you know queensland or south australia or you know any other location and uh, and for me to do that again i needed you know someone to assist with that process because you know us flying across every weekend or um you know doing that plus then teaching myself how the whole property um you know market works you know, that's going to take time and effort, right? It might take me six months or 12 months of serious effort to kind of get even to a half decent level. And ultimately, I look at it this way, right? So if you have someone that purchases, you know, hundreds and thousands of properties over a period of time, and you have someone who's, say, purchasing their first ever property, um, who is the more likely to get a better outcome, right? And it's, you know, and for me, the answer is simple. And, and you know, that's my thought process in terms of um, I, why I'm always happy to pay a professional for their expertise. And um, and that's why we decided to, you know, um, engage with you, which was uh, which was that, the thinking at that time, basically. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And I guess uh, on this journey, you're starting to now move from one property to two, and you were just absolute action taker throughout all the years. And these years that we were working together, there was pandemic that hit the shores. There was lockdowns in businesses and personal lives. There was money becoming cheaper, money becoming more expensive. Everything that you could think of was happening over these few years. Yet you went from one to two to three, all the way up to eight properties on this journey, right? And so from this journey, you look at it, what made you feel like, no, the world is going in all sorts of directions, money, thoughts, media, I'm going to keep going. What was it internally that made you feel like we're going to keep going here? I think the 
confidence that we got after the first purchase was a big factor in in that uh, in that journey so um you obviously you know helped us with the adelaide property which was our, our first uh, our purchase and uh, and you know the fact that we then understood the process we had a lot more knowledge um you know you were able to share you know uh, obviously fantastic insights and from that we you know we got the confidence to say that you know yes this is uh good it's working the financials make sense we're getting the results that we want so now let's multiply it essentially and uh and so from that perspective we've always been of the belief that you know we were we were going to buy when we could afford to buy essentially and uh regardless of you know what's happening in the world or not not what's happening um yes you know during the pandemic like when it first happened you know of course you know two or three months we were also a bit cautious and we did put pause for you know two or three months and then but quickly we realized that you know the the property market was not really getting negatively impacted and and all the signs were pointing in a positive direction and then you know we decided to then you know uh, press the go button again you know within those two or three months essentially after that do you feel that I mean, you've raised a really important point here. And I think there's a couple of bullet points I took from there. The first is, if the first one goes right, how much confidence does that bring you? And this is where we actually, unfortunately, I mean, have to play fixer-upper on more portfolios than we do starting it right. And I yeah. imagine just how many people out there who start a portfolio then go, oh, I want to get a buyer's agent on my team now. They must have had such, and they do have such a high level of paralysis for years following a first investment that doesn't go so well. And what yes. you've done there is gone, well, I want these first batch of investments to go well, because if they do, they'll encourage moves ahead. And that was one thing I sensed there. But the second one is you realized the most important point in property investing. And I tell this to many people is buy when you can afford to and not buy when all the tea leaves and all the gurus come together and say every condition is perfect. There's no cloud in the sky, nothing. Because when you afford to, is going to unlock all the metrics for you because there's risk management when you can afford to for cash and bank. There's cash flow management when you can afford to, to be able to hold assets. And then when you can borrow, and then naturally when you've got the team around you to take action. When you can afford to does not simply mean for those tuning in, just because I've got a little bit of money in the bank, it's measuring across these four areas. Do I, am I equipped to, do I have the capacity to, do I have the cash flow to, and then do I have the money to risk protect? And that's something I found you put that to a science to every time it was like, I tick these four boxes. The bank said, yes, Arjun's here with me and the team's here with me. I've got the money in safety. I feel okay. I can then also cover the repayments that go up and down. I'm ready to go. And that was something I, I, I learned about you. Do you feel that came from somewhere, Amin? Was there something in life that gave you that, whether it be in business or personal endeavors or family dynamics? Because that's not traditional. This doesn't sit with everyone in their mindset. Where do you feel that's been ingrained in within you? So in terms of, um, I guess, risk aversion, so it's hard to pinpoint specifically, but um, I would say... I think with experience, like when I was young and, you know, carefree, obviously, you know, you, you take risks and, um, and, you know, you, you learn that where you, you can, you get to a stage in your life where you understand that, yes, it's important to take risks to get ahead, right? There's risk in everything that you uh, do in, in life, obviously, but uh, it's about mitigating those risks for me. And, um, and, you know, so I've always looked at it from a, what's the worst case scenario, essentially. And uh, if, you know, 
and, and so I always like to have the buffers in place. And this is what, you know, I tell anyone who asks me as well that, you know, having that worst case scenario and the buffers in place is very important because things are not always rosy, right? Things will, um, you know, go haywire at some, at some stage and, and, you know, you should always be mentally prepared that if it goes haywire, this is my backup plan or this is my get out clause. And, you know, if you don't have that clause, then, um, you know, th then you're opening yourself a little bit. Um, and so, you know, again, and this is something I think is very individualistic. Uh, so for me, I've always had a higher risk appetite than, say, most of the people in my network, for example. And and so for me, it's like I'm comfortable sleeping in that sense. Um, whereas, you know, other people that I know or in my network might not have that risk appetite, right? So ultimately, they should think about personally what's going to help them be successful, but also them have the peace of mind as well. And, and that's what I tell most of my, um, you know, friends who ask me about this, uh, these topics, basically. What I could always sense made about you is calculated risk. And that's the thing, right? Because uh, higher yeah. risk tolerance doesn't usually come from being more of a cowboy. Higher risk tolerance usually comes from knowing what the worst case looks like, being more analytical in that worst case, and then naturally it's more calculated risk, right? So very, very good point Correct. you've raised in your risk tolerance. Now the actual buying journey. We know this happened quickly, but there was something unique about your journey. And this is where I talk about the importance of tailoring properties to an individual and their strategy, not just buying a one size fits all. Now we have a traditional strategy investor kit, which was the traditional approach. And then we mold it where we need to, which is foundation assets, momentum assets, and passive assets. And if you're tuning in and you're the first time hearing these tunes, foundation assets were major markets with good size volume deals by volume, I mean, uh, purchase price, and we're trying to create an anchor. And by having these anchors, we have a little bit larger compounding wealth dollars when we're in the market. And also from these perspectives, there's comfort, there's safety, there's also that feel good too. But then we don't try stick too long here because most also get the serviceability caps. Most also need a little bit less dollars to go in a deal so they can do it with frequency. We move to momentum deals. Momentum deals are affordable all across the nation, any market everywhere where the data says so. And then passive markets are commercials and unit blocks. Now, you decided, hey, Arjun, strategy makes sense, but I'd like to nail my foundations more extensively and longer and stay in that market a bit more. What made you feel more comfortable with that? Because your properties are very unique. And by unique, I mean, each of them carry an X factor, whether it be the suburb they're in or whether it be the type of house finish within that suburb. This allowed some pretty crazy results, but I'd like to hear it from you as to why you decided, no, let's stick in the foundation longer, stay in there for more assets as part of the tailoring for you, Amon. Yeah. So again, I think it comes back to the fact that we always wanted to build a significant portfolio. And um, like you said, the foundation assets are like the base of that portfolio, essentially. So my thinking was that, you know, the bigger the base, the more that we can grow and, and then, you know, capitalize on that later on. And, uh, you know, we're at the journey now where, you know, we've got obviously the foundation assets are in place. Um, we're waiting for a couple more years for them to, you know, uh, do the rental increases, the further capital growth, and then we'll be in a position to then say move into you know other uh, types like commercial properties or um, unit blocks like you like you mentioned. And um, so we're at that phase. We're waiting on that. But I was always yeah of the belief that you know 
buying or building a, a strong base or a larger base is going to help us then you know with those further purchases down the track and uh, and i think that's that's something that we did um in terms of being you know unique or you know having some x factor so i think from that point of view it was something that i was probably looking at from a, a rental yield point of view like we always wanted to get assets that have a strong rental yield so our um, you know monthly out of pocket earnings or you could say or a monthly budget that we have to contribute to the property is minimized as much as possible and and that's you know very correct so i was always looking at it from a, a point of view of you know what is the rental trajectory as well and um as well as the capital growth of course uh so yeah that's probably the reason why i tended to go towards those assets yeah there's something in this x factor piece i want to highlight to everyone so they because we might not be able to visualize these properties right when we purchased a couple of properties, uh, there's this yield curve concept, I believe in, and this is something that uh, people need to realize. There's like a bit of a, uh, a up and down that happens in that sort of 300 to 600K yields tend to be really high. And then what happens is in the 600K to a mil, not all, but most properties tend to drop off on the yield. And then you get to around that 900 mil and to about 1.5, you get select properties with certain X factors in select markets. Very word select was used multiple times where you get the yields that come back again. You're like, holy crap, where did this come from? Usually when I'm at 1.5 mil, 1.7 mil and say Sydney's Northwest, you're only going to get seven to 800 in rent. And so suddenly those yields just aren't there. But we'd found a sweet spot where even at 800K up to about 1.4, $1.3 million purchases, we were getting $900 to $1,100 in rent in some cases, which allowed the yields to be there. Now, someone might say, but Arjun, why don't you chop that up into three, 400K houses? What people forget is they should do net calculations. Three, 400K houses is also three sets of council bills, three sets of water rates, three sets of vacancies, three sets of kitchens, bathrooms, roofs to manage, air cons to manage, and also three sets of domain advertising payments and real estate advertising payments too. So when you actually break it down, yes, you may have a higher yield percentage, but the variances are very small. And so then personality can come in. And if you're like, I don't really want to have three extra houses to get the same dollars. And I don't have to do three extra loan applications, three extra refinances, three extra valuations, which could go left, right or here. This is something many people forget. And that's why when you are playing in the 800K to 1.5 more prices for people tuning in, it's important to actually find these little X factors so you can creep up the yields, not to 5% levels like you did in the 400K properties, but to respectable levels that are higher than the norm. So I just wanted to call that out for people who are wondering, well, Arjun, why did you guys just keep buying million dollar properties? Well, there is a science behind it if your position accommodates it. And this is the next question for you, Amin, the position accommodating it. You have been an absolute champion in what you do in your business around helping migrants a find their sweet spot in Australia, but then also employment and people's careers, getting the right employment from your business, as well as also getting the right growth and employment. I have harped on about something in investing that many people don't like talking about. People always just talk about, and I think it may be the more conservative parts of Australia, which is normal, right? But everyone just talks about strategies. Everyone just talks about borrowing capacity hacks. Everyone just tries to find the bank that will give them money, money at all costs or the trust structure or this. People don't take accountability to talk about themselves, their career growth, their income growth, their um, happiness in work and their ability for the work to flow into life and finding the career that gives them that opportunity. You've been a, a shining beacon of light there where you've gone, 
in my career in CBA or my career in business, my career in businesses, you've continued to see that growth in income. Could you maybe give us a bit of a home story, a t you know, a behind the scenes story, more about what are the things you believe in that have played a part in your income growth, your career growth, your business growth, that are habits that people can take away? Because I'm 100% sure without that, we're not creating the $10 million portfolio that you have, which I'm grateful to be played a part of it supporting you. But the truth is you're the foundation creator as a family and to build this together, you and Charu. Could you talk to us about the behind the scenes of what tips that you might have for people on the career side? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So as you know, Arjun, so we basically um, have been running the business for just under seven years now. So, and uh, we focus on, uh, you know, job search, coaching and, and guidance towards uh, a lot of the migrant population, a lot of, you know, um, uh, international students as well, once they graduate, um, and a lot of new migrants who come here on their permanent residency. And uh, also we're managing immigration services and processes, as you know, across, uh, you know, PR pathways, uh, you know, partner visas, family visas, the whole, the whole remit essentially um so in terms of you know some of the philosophies behind how we've grown that and and you know what's been uh, the driving factor towards us getting you know that traction and, and that success so one motto that i have is about creating you know win-win scenarios um and and that i always feel that you know that's something that's been a core of our business that um if we can create a scenario that you know yes you know we are providing uh quality we are providing service but the client is also, you know, getting a tangible outcome that they can see is of high quality and service. And, and so that's probably the, the, the main factor that I always try and create win-win scenarios in all situations, whether that be with our client dealings or whether that be in, you know, in purchasing property or in other business uh, related deals. And, and I feel that as long as that happens and everyone walks away and, and has that real value add that they can see, um, then naturally, you know, think good things will follow. Um, from our business perspective, like we basically grow in the business organically through word of mouth for the last six, six and a half years. And now as we're, you know, kind of expanding a bit more, we're obviously you know, taking on some bigger and, and bolder initiatives as well. Um, but the reason it's kind of all grown word of mouth is because, you know, the value that we provide to people resonates with them and, and then they refer five friends or 10 friends and then it, 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 uh, it goes from there. So yeah, it's all about, I think, you know, creating those win-win scenarios, providing value and providing quality that people will appreciate. And naturally, if you do the right things, then, you know, the results should follow essentially. Yeah. Win-win scenarios, man. It's a great, great summary there. It reminds me of, I guess, the opposite of that is those who have victim mentality. Do you know what I mean? Which is like, oh, I did this, but that didn't happen. Or I want this, but I'm not getting that. Or I want this and they're not doing that for me. Whereas you're constantly wired. And even in the negotiations of the property, you're like, well, if I want this, Arjun, what about if we give them this? Like there was always this kind of creating the win-win, which you've always been really savvy on. So, uh, mate, thank you so much for sharing some of these tips, um, what you've done in building the portfolio out with your, your partner, Chari. You guys bring this together to you know, an almost $10 million portfolio across the nation, uh, diversified across multiple states. I have one final question for you. Buyers agents, they're obviously not cheap and we've done it multiple times, which means it continues to get more and more expensive for you. Yet you continue to come back and, and use it. And I know you gave us an analogy and importance of professionals in the start of this conversation and how you know they've helped you and they started the journey in terms of what we've done. Uh, but when you come to summarize our journey together and what makes you so confident now to go not just once, but Arjun twice, now six times together and more and your friends and close family, which I'm forever grateful for. What do you feel are the 
the topics factors that keep making you feel comfortable in that way? Yeah, definitely. So I think, um, look, again, one is, um, and I think this is something big for most people is, is the trust factor, right? Essentially. So once you go on that journey, um, so initially I'll give you uh, an example. So when we first started, obviously we, we did the usual thing. We reached out to, you know, four or five buyers agents and, you know, see, you know, who was the person that we felt most comfortable with. And, and straight away, you know, Investikit was, was the clear winner for me. I mean, there was just, you know, there was no comparison at that time. And so straight away, I felt that, that confidence, you know, initially going through. And then obviously we, you know, built that trust and, and, uh, and, you know, it's kind of just flowed from there. And, and I think, you know, once the relationship is there, that trust is there and, um, you know, then obviously we want to capitalize on that trust essentially because that's something that's critical and, and that's something that uh, is uh, not easily attained always in business relationships, essentially. Um, so in terms of look, the cost versus benefit analysis, so for me, I've always broken it down in terms of, look, if you're, for example, buying a million dollar asset and, you know, you someone comes to you and says, well, you know, to get the best out of this million dollar asset or um, make sure that you don't make a mistake that's going to handicap you for, you know, many years to come that you have to pay a certain small percentage of that to a, a professional um, who's going to then, you know, maximize the chances of success essentially. So I always look, look at it from that perspective that, you know, it's always going to be a case of, you know, yes, the, you are spending money on a buyer's agent, but then the buyer's agent, the value that they're bringing, the, the expertise that they're bringing, the experience that they're bringing at the end of the day, the value that they're providing is going to far outweigh the, the money that you're paying them essentially. Um, and I've always looked at it from that perspective myself. Look, appreciate the kind words there, Amin, and the, the, the trust in us throughout the journey. Uh, most importantly, hats off to you on the, on the portfolio you've built. And I think to leave everyone on a final note tuning into this is you are now displaying the importance of a fast acquisition period, a condensed window, building out the base of portfolio, because this is now when the power of compounding wealth kicks in. Many people forget that the harder is, yes, the building of a portfolio, but once you start getting momentum, it actually gets easier. And the reason why I say that is that at $10 million of assets, 5% lower than long-term averages occurring one year across the portfolio is 500K in wealth gain. And you ask any business owner, no matter how successful or any senior corporate professional in big four banks or big four industries or any environment, have you ever made 500K while falling asleep? And most will say that I haven't, or most will say that making 500K in any capacity, business or personal, is very difficult. And so this is where you went down a journey, you started it, you took lots of action, you engaged a team around you, and you never looked back with the right calculated risk and risk tolerance. Mate, not only are many people listening to this going to be inspired by you guys and what you've done and how you think more importantly, but also the future generations from your kids to your kids' kids um, this only gets sweeter as time goes on. So, mate, hats off to you guys and congrats on the journey today. My, our pleasure, Arjun. And uh, thank you so much. And I, I know I've said this to you privately before, but uh, I think, um, you know, 100% without you being there on our journey with us, like we would never have got to where we are as well. So, um, you know, we really appreciate that in all aspects. And, uh, and you know, uh, thank you so much from from that perspective, uh, as, as I've mentioned to you before as well, many times as well. Thanks, Simon. And for more interviews like this, tune in to the Investigate YouTube channel. Uh, jump on, like, subscribe, and get notified on future videos like this. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in.